Awesome. Well, let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for tonight. Just thank you for every person that's in here tonight, that you called them out to be here. And You know, it's summertime, there's vacations going on, that sort of thing, but we all chose to be here tonight. And Holy Spirit, we call upon you, man, just to fill this place with your presence in just a, a mighty way. And we know that you're always here because you do amazing things here in this building called Rocky Mountain Calvary. And so, Father, just set me aside and uh, speak to the people here tonight through me uh, clearly that they can hear exactly what it is that uh, you want them to hear tonight. And so we're just going to give you the night. In Jesus' name, amen. So as a pastor, I witness many people having no hope. We see it in a lot of different ways, whether it's a funeral uh, could be somebody just walking through the doors in the daytime. Could be a homeless person. Somebody might walk in and they have lost their job. There might have been a death recently. And we had that just the other day where somebody came in and was talking with Donnie and it was an ATV accident where somebody perished. Or what we saw this past weekend over at Walgreens, over on the west side of town, just cold-blooded murder, the things that go on. But we see that, and you guys see that as well, just the despair and that lack of hope that people have. But we as believers, praise the Lord, we have hope. It doesn't mean that we won't have problems in life. That's not what God tells us when we accept him as our Lord and Savior but we know how it ends, don't we? What is that end? As a believer, we spend eternity with our heavenly Father. Amen? Absolutely. That's the end for us as believers. That no matter what goes on here, we will be with him one day. And I know we're all excited about that time. I'm not ready to die today, but if he takes me home, I'm ready to go. Got my bags packed. And ready to go see him. You know, a year ago, I thought I was going to go see him. In May, I thought I was going to go see Jesus. Hopefully, I'm kind of done with all that stuff for a while. So I can just kind of enjoy what God has for me right now. So normally, I do not title a message. But God put on my heart, hope and victory. Tonight was not a night to, you know, bring that message that where you kind of get hammered. No. Tonight's time for encouragement, that we have hope and we have victory. So please join me in Psalm 16 tonight. Psalm 16. <clears throat> the author of this psalm is David. And if you see the title at the top of uh, your Bible of that chapter, it says it is a Mitchum. And what is that? Well, it can mean different things. It can mean to cover. A covering of the lips could be a silent prayer. Or a prayer to be covered, a plea for protection. And we know David spent many occasions seeking protection. Seemed like every time he turned around, there was somebody coming after him, uh, trying to take his life. So this chapter, that's what I see, 
is this is a prayer for protection that David is doing here. So verse 1 says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. To preserve, to keep me safe from harm. So who does David go to? He goes directly to God. David puts his trust in the one and only being he can put his trust in. Because we as humans fail. But God never, ever fails us. Ever. Back in January, uh, we had memorial service here for my wife. Uh, she passed away in, in December of last year. And one of the songs that she wanted to have at her service is the goodness of God. And it's, a, it's an amazing song. It really is. It just can really touch your heart. But in there it says, all my life you have been faithful. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night you are close like no other. And that's who God is. We've all had these times in our life of, of despair and, man, what's happening next? What am I going to do now? But he's always there. Always, always, always. At the age of 15, I walked away from God. Some things that have gone on in my life that were just not very good. I didn't return to him until I was 40 years old, 25 years that I walked away from the Lord. I did everything I could, not on purpose, but did everything I could to end my life sooner from the lifestyle that I led. Just throwing everything to the wind, going, whatever happens. I ingested and put everything I possibly could into my body, but God had something different for me, and he kept me alive during that time. And during that time, there were many times I'd reach into my back pocket and go, oh, there you are. He's still there. I just kind of put him back. But he always was there for me. When I look back at that time of this event or that event or this family thing or that family thing, he was always there. Even when I didn't want anything to do with him. That's a great God we get to serve. He's always faithful. Always, always. Verse 2. Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David claims there, God is his Lord. And without him, we are nothing. Absolutely nothing. He gives us everything that we need. As saints, we are equipped to help and serve other saints. David did that in his reign, that he helped others. And sometimes we have to help some that have absolutely nothing. And a lot of times it doesn't take a lot to take care of their needs. Matthew Henry says this, he's a commentator. 
And this is what he says about saints, and I love this. Saints on earth we must be, or we shall never be saints in heaven. Those renewed by the grace of God and devoted to the glory of God are saints on earth. We think a lot of times of St. Michael or St. James or St. Peter or whatever saints you want to put out there. But each one of you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is a saint. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to become a saint. A lot of times put our, people put our actions to that word. Well, you're a saint or you're not acting like a saint. But if we believe in Jesus Christ, then we are a saint. Take a moment to think for just a minute here about what happens when you take your last breath here on planet Earth and where your next breath is going to be. Think about that. Get that picture going on in your head. That final exhale. And you die. And now you're somewhere. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? There's two options. And that's it. There's, that, that's all we got is, is two options. A dear friend of mine was asking about the book, One Minute After You Die. And had I heard about that book, and I said, oh, not, I kind of heard about it, but I don't really know anything about it. It's written by Erwin Lutzer is his name. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're all good. If you didn't, it's going to be a very sad day. There's no do-overs. Eternity is set. Y'all remember who Stephen Hawking was? Brilliant man. Some claim that he was probably the smartest man that ever lived on this planet devout atheist did not believe in God well he died and went into that minute after he died here I believe that man said oh shoot <laughs> it was a four letter word I'm sure <laughs> could you imagine at that moment when he saw that of where he was at and where he was going to go. I'm sure that Stephen Hawking said, let me go back. There are millions of people that believe me and they're going to go to hell because of me. Pretty crazy thought, isn't it? But I'm pretty sure that's what he said that day. Separation from God for eternity is a very real thing if you do not know him as your Lord and Savior. Separation completely away from God. I've known many people over the years that have said, see you in heaven, we'll have a great party. Or we'll go skiing because hell's going to freeze over, right? <laughs> I'll buy you a beer down there in hell. They don't get it. 
you are by yourself in torment forever. I know our mortal minds can't get that of what forever is because we're like the dust on the back of a flea when you look at the entire timeline. It is absolutely nothing if we live to be 80 years old. It's just that fast. But I believe that the worst part of hell will be every moment that you're there, you're going to be thinking, I had an opportunity that one time or 10 times that I chose to say no to God. There might be people here today that have said no to God all these years. There is no better time than today to say yes to Jesus. My heart is that if you don't know Jesus here today in that personal way, don't leave these doors today. Don't go out this building without having a conversation with him. He will take you exactly how you are right now. Doesn't matter what baggage you got bringing with you. Because we all got baggage, don't we? We do. But he will take you right here, right now. No questions asked. I don't know what hell's going to be like, but it will be worse than anything we could ever think of. But I love to think about what heaven's going to be like. Taking all the good that we know of and multiply it like by a billion. And it is going to be insane. It's going to be awesome of what we get to do. Looking forward to that time. Verse 4. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer. Nor take up their names on my lips. David is issuing a warning to those that go after another God. He even goes as far to say, I will not even mention their name on my lips. We need to pursue those that don't know Christ. That's what we're called to do. To go out to all the world and not a select group of people but to all that don't know Jesus Christ. But we need to be careful, don't we? And I'm not saying we can't have friends that are not non-believers, but we need to be careful because we can get sucked into that world. I've had many conversations with young people, high school people, young adults, that sort of thing, that uh, are, are about ready to date or they are dating and I'm like, okay, so this guy or this girl, where do they go to church? Oh, they don't. Okay. Do they know Jesus? No. And they're like, well, I'm going to lead them to Christ. It's called missionary dating. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, it usually fails. Because it goes the other way. Because then... The, the saved person says, okay, this one time, this one time I'll do that. I don't know what it is, but it's something. It's going against 
what they know to be true. So after they've done it the first time, well, the second time it comes around, they're like, oh, it wasn't so bad the first time, we'll do it again. And what happens? All of a sudden, that person that wanted to lead their boyfriend or girlfriend to Christ is now in their world. And all of a sudden, they walk away from Christ. So we need to be careful. If we're hanging around unbelievers, make sure your faith is strong. And if the time comes up that maybe you shouldn't be there, it's time to excuse yourself. And that's okay. But we need to be that light for the unsaved out there. I have unsaved friends. I have unsaved children. And sometimes it's really hard to be around them. My oldest son out in California, he comes out here and I'm picking him up at the airplane or at the airport and I'm like, would you please just try to keep your mouth clean while you're here? Because it's really hard sometimes to listen to him. And he tries, but he doesn't know the Lord. So all I can do is be that example for him. So let's pursue those that don't know Christ, but be careful that you don't get sucked into their world. Let's go on to verse 5 and 6. It says this, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. My mother has reminded me numerous times about my inheritance. Zero. Don't get your hopes up, Mike. I got nothing left. But that's okay. <laughs> but David is talking about what? An eternal inheritance. Eternal. I'm sure you've all been to a memorial service or a funeral or whatever. I have to ask the question, have you ever seen the U-Haul parked out front? No, you haven't. Whenever they open up and, and there's that, that mummy inside, it's got all the trinkets that were left there for him to take into eternity, right? They're still there. He didn't take them with him. We cannot take anything with us. We came into this world with nothing and we're going to leave with nothing. If we don't make that choice to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, no inheritance, folks. There's nothing there. God doesn't send us to hell. I hear that a lot. My brother-in-law, Stephen, lives out in Kentucky, and he believes that God keeps sending his family members to hell. He lost his mom, I don't know, 25 years ago, something like that. He's lost his grandmother, his grandfather. He's lost his sister now. And he keeps blaming God for their death. But God does not send people to hell. It is by choice, our choice, that we choose to deny him. Most famous Bible verse in the whole Bible, probably. John 3, 16, right? 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I like to add on to that verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's why Jesus was sent. For you and you and you and you and me. He calls everybody to him. He wants no one to perish. So God is not in the business of sending people to hell. He's in the business of saving souls and having us in his presence for eternity. That is forever. And forever is a long time. It's cool that in heaven we're not going to get bored. You know, the world likes to think of us as, you know, chubby little angels with wings and sitting on a cloud. No, we're going to be active. Yeah, we're going to be praising his name. We'll beat his feet. Who's your favorite apostle that you might get to talk to? Peter and Paul. I'm going to get both those guys. I'm going through the book of Genesis right now. Noah, who else would you want to talk to? Noah was righteous before God. Righteous before God. And as I was reading that the other day, and you got to remember, they were in the ark for a long time. It wasn't 40 days, 40 nights, because that's how long it rained. But they were in there for months and months and months. What did Noah do with his family while they were in the ark? And that made me think, in my relationship, whatever that might be, my children, my family, you know, people that are really important to me, what am I doing as the leader, that spiritual leader? And I'm hoping that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Because that was some crazy times with Noah. It really was. Fled the earth and promised to never do it again. But maybe there's somebody else. Maybe it was David. David's a good king to go talk to, absolutely. There are so many people I'm looking forward to uh, interacting when I get to heaven and just hear all those things that's not written in God's word. I think it's said that if everything was written about what happened in Jesus' time, it would go all the way to the moon. That's how many books it would be. That's like a quarter of a million miles. That's a long ways, and that's a lot of books. So we'll get to hear all that one day, and I look forward to that, that time. Let's go on to verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. So a few weeks back we had Rally Point. And Rally Point is for those that volunteer serve here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. 
Uh, or maybe somebody's thinking about volunteering here and serving here. So we just bring them in and we feed them lunch. We do now. We didn't do it for a couple of years because of COVID. But we have that meal and we get to sit around and talk with others and that sort of thing. And then we get to share about ministry and what's going on in, in our ministries or maybe what's going on in our life. Back in 2015, the fall of 2015, I was out in Tennessee, my son Adam's place. He lives out in the country and he's got some, some acreage. And it's the last day uh, before we're about ready to go get on a plane and we're just walking his property. And we come to the, the back of his property and I'm like, huh, check this out. There's stakes in the ground and then there's ropes that hook up all the stakes. I'm like, huh, it looks like a floor plan. What you building? Well, Dad, we want you and Mom to come out here and build your house here because we're going to start a family. And we want you to be out here to help raise our kids. I'm like, what? <laughs> we haven't talked about this. The wheels of that airplane were barely on the tarmac and I'm calling the realtor going, I need to sell my house. It's time to go to Tennessee. My son wants me to be out there. What do I need to do to my house to get it ready to sell, get the best price? Maybe I need to keep it for rental income. I don't know, but let's just keep moving. Let's go. I need to get to Tennessee. So that was the fall of 2015. In January 2016, my wife was diagnosed with terminal cancer. That was God slamming the door on me going to Tennessee. Bam. Like, okay, I guess now's not the time. But every year, 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, I kept looking for a way to get to Tennessee. But every year, God shut the door. And last year, I really thought that when Suzanne went to be with her Savior, that he would let me go. And off to Tennessee, I would go. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> God made it very clear that it's not time for me to go to Tennessee. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to Tennessee. But he said, Mike, you have unfinished business here. I have things for you that I want you to do. I'm like, all right. Then I'm just going to stay right here until he tells me to, to move on. And I'm looking forward for what he has for me in ministry. And it's exciting to see what he's doing in all the ministries here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. And we get to see this as a staff. We get to share these things that go on. But in men's ministry, just wonderful things are going on. Kev was asking me about getting signed up for a Bible study on Tuesday nights come fall. <laughs> Another good thing, bad thing going on. I have so many men that have come and said, I want to teach on Tuesday night that I'm going to have to arm wrestle Jenna for rooms on Tuesday night. <laughs> I've got six or seven studies ready to go for the men. That's huge. That's amazing. That's what God is doing. 
And he's told me, it's time to get back on the saddle and start doing some teaching again. It's been many, many years since I've been able to teach. And so God has put something on my heart to teach in the fall and in the spring. So I'm just really excited about that. Five Aspects of Men is what it's going to be called, by the way. And uh, looking forward to that. Jenna was actually, she was talking about the five aspects of women. And she kind of threw out that little thing going, but there's one for the men too. And I went, wow, is that what you want me to do, God? So yeah, books are on the way. can start going after that. Looking forward to teaching uh, later this year. But when we were looking at that verse back there, it was talking about counsel. And it's talking about not being moved. How do we get to know someone? How do we get to know people? I can hold her hand. Get it through osmosis, maybe? Probably not. But if I have conversations with somebody... I interact with, interact with that person. I'm going to get to know them on a personal level. They're going to get to know me on a personal level. They're going to get to know what makes me tick. They're going to see the things that excite me or the things that maybe upset me. And there's a lot of stuff that can get us upset these days, isn't there? The stuff that's going on out in the world. There has been so much fast change in just a short period of time. Got to have dinner with a young man that I've known for many years last night, and that's what we were talking about, of where he was 10 years ago and where it is today. And it is crazy. How long is God going to let it go before he returns? I don't know. But he can come at any time. At any moment. It could be tonight, folks. I don't know. It could be right now. No. <laughs> We're still here, right? But I have to have conversation. And we have things we need to do in this life. We need to talk to somebody about that. And yes, it's wonderful that you have somebody that's really close to you that's going to give you godly counsel. Absolutely, we need to have that. But who better than to go to God himself for counsel? It's right here, folks. This has been around for a really, really long time. And it's good still today. This is how Jesus talks to us. This is how God interacts with us. Because we seek him in his word of what he has for us. So I have to have conversations and interaction with people. Some of you might know uh, a young man by the name of Josh Kirby. He used to attend here. He was an intern for a while. He's now in uh, Detroit and doing ministry out there. And <clears throat> this is how Josh used to pray. He'd be standing there and he'd just go, Hey God, how you doing? 
well, you know that job thing that's going on? You know, I'm not sure if I really like that job. But is this where you want me to be? So let me know. And he would say something like, hey, you know that Jenna girl? (laughs) What do you think about me and her getting together? Let me know about that, God. By the way, Jenna and Josh are married and have a lot of kids. And then he would be like, okay, I guess that's it, God. Check you out later. And that's how he would pray. And it was just, I mean, in the beginning, it was like, oh, ow, you know? It doesn't have all the $10 words in it and all eloquent and everything like that. No. But he was having a conversation with God like it was his friend. That close confidence that he could talk to about anything. And I thought, wow, Josh, that's really cool. And he was never afraid to sing. Dude would sing like crazy. But when we go through difficult trials, who gets us through it? Your wife, your husband, your children, your friend, your coworker, pastor. No. The one who really gets us through those times is God himself. He is where we draw our strength from. Our walk with the Lord should be our lifestyle. It's not, I went to church on Wednesday night, or I went Saturday night, or I went Sunday morning, or I went on a mission trip. But that is, you put that all together, and that's your lifestyle. What do you do when you wake up in the morning? What do you do throughout the day? What do you do when your head hits the pillow at night? And it's day after day after day. And believe me, folks, (laughs) I've had my own fair share of struggles. God called me into the ministry over 15 years ago. And there have been some really crazy times in between. There were times that I was really not where I needed to be in my walk with the Lord. But I'm thankful for his faithfulness to me. Sometimes he has to hit me with the two by four. Sometimes it's someone else speaking to me and sharing, hey, Mike, (laughs) I think you need to work on this. This is going on or this is going on. And I'm thankful for the people that God puts in my life to help me with those things. When we are doing... and seek what he wants us to do, we are in his will. And I know sometimes it's not always clear, but when we earnestly seek him, have conversation with him, prayer with him, we can have that hope that we're in his will and we're doing what he wants us to do. As believers, we have a unique sense of security that unbelievers don't have. No matter what we are going through, we have security. And in my interactions as a pastor, I see unbelievers generally having a sense of hopelessness concerning life and their purpose on earth and what happens to me when I die. 
My oldest son, uh, Michael, lives out in Fresno. He's been there for well over two decades. And some of you have heard before that a long time ago he converted to Islam. Shocked me. But I couldn't really blame him. I wasn't doing anything. So he chose that. Now, he's not a practicing Muslim anymore. He just misses out on bacon still. But now he believes that when you die, your brain becomes part of the collective out there in space. That all of our brains are going to become that. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> but he believes it. And I'm like, what are you doing, Michael? But when he comes out here, and I'm going to go out and see him in the fall for the first time ever in Fresno, he gets to hear about Jesus. And I'm not in his face, you know, but he hears it and he sees it. And so he's not going to have an excuse. But I hope before he dies, he'll say yes to Jesus. Because I do want to spend eternity with him. When we have a right relationship with our creator, we can move ahead confidently knowing we are right where he wants us and that he will keep us on his chosen path for our lives. Last three verses. Ha, doing all right. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. To be glad or happy is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I'm happy. I'm standing up here. I'm glad to be up here. But when life's wrenches get thrown at us, a lot of times that happiness goes away. But when we have joy in the Lord, no matter what gets thrown at us, we have hope in Christ. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. January, February, March, that was tough for me as my wife had passed away, but I knew where she was. I know where she's at. And then that grieving process went on and on, and now here I am today and doing very well with that. And I appreciate all the prayers that you guys have given me over the years and months. I'm doing well. And I've got that joy in my heart for the Lord that he can get me through anything and everything. Maybe you've lost a spouse yourself. Maybe you've lost a mother or a father or a child, a friend, a coworker. But when we know that they know the Lord, as hard as it might be to be separated from them, man, we can have joy in our heart knowing where they're going to be, where they're at, and where. I will one day meet up with them again. Can you imagine that in heaven? 
It's like, there you are. And you take off running. And you won't get winded or anything. <laughs> and man, that's going to happen a lot. And then there's going to be some of those times where you go, whoa, how'd you get in here? <laughs> None of us deserve it, right? <laughs> yeah. Our Father will not leave us in the grave, will he? He will not. Those who have died will rise first. And then the rest of us get to join them. What a great picture that is. Whenever I see a Red Bull, Red Bull commercial, that's what I think of. You know, I've got my little wings and I'm going up and saying hi to all the people going up with me. And what a glorious time that's going to be as we go to be with our Savior forever, for eternity. So hope and victory. The victory is we have defeated death. And we have that hope that when we do die, we will be with him. So who do you put your trust in, I ask? If it's Jesus, then amen. Because if you have done that, you have victory. Victory over death. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, there's no better time than right now. He might be pulling on your heart. Maybe you've heard this message a hundred times and you've always said no. Maybe another time I'll come to Jesus. I beg you, do not leave this place tonight if you don't know Jesus. Ask him to come into your heart.